Good snowy morning. Happy to bring you another episode of Fresh Brewed Politics. I thank you guys for joining me. We have a lot to cover today. We're going to talk about some laws that have been signed into law already. We're going to be talking about some things that are, uh, we'll go over what's pending on the governor's desk. Uh, we'll go over what bills are being voted on. And there's some there's some alarming things, especially bills being voted on if you care about uh, privacy, if you care about holding on to uh, what what last bit of information we have, if you care about pushing kids into making bad financial decisions, um, you're going to want to pay attention to that portion. So we're going to be going into it here. We're going to talk about, once again, what's passed, uh, what's waiting on the governor's desk. We're going to be talking about what's coming up for a vote. But please, first, guys, Go ahead and hit the share button for me down there in the corner. If you're watching this on a replay and you don't want to watch my beautiful face the entire time, you can feel free to go over to any major podcast podcast, sorry, platform and hit the and and search for fresh brewed politics, fresh brewed politics, and you can catch it there without having to watch the video the entire time. Uh, also as well. You can always uh, help help us out here. You can go to Andrew, the number four, ky.com to donate to the Senate campaign. That's Andrew, the number four, ky.com to donate to the Senate campaign. Okay, guys, once you've hit those share buttons and you're buckled in, let's start talking about some laws. Let's talk about what um, has already passed. Let's talk about what's already passed. So we've got a couple bills passed here. We've got some some basic simple bills. You got HB five uh, that passed that deals with the Western Kentucky Relief Funds. So that's passed, signed. That's all fine and dandy. We've got uh, House Joint um, Resolution uh, has passed. Um, let's see, House Joint Resolution has passed. HB one seventy two passed, signed. That extends the filing uh, uh, deadlines for for because of the redistricting and everything else as far as that goes. So it extends those uh, filing deadlines as far as it goes. House Joint Resolution, sorry, 29. Sorry, I wrote down bill request. It was bill request 1313. That's what threw me off. So um, it's a House Joint Resolution. Essentially, it continues some of the uh, uh, emergency uh, declarations from the tornado or from, I'm sorry, the snowstorm that occurred on the 10th and it continues some of those emergencies forward. So those are the things that have basically passed. Um, but there's something else that passed and this is the worst thing that has passed so far. And that's Senate Bill 25. Now, when it left the Senate, okay, so follow along here for the legislative process. So when it left the Senate, it was a bill to increase NTI days in public schools by 10. Now, guys, for those following along, okay, you get 10 NTI days automatically. Schools just get them. They've always gotten them. Well, not always, but for the most part, they've already always gotten them. So you've got uh, 10 that they start with, okay? Now, if you remember last year, what allowed all these NTI days was the governor had suspended the law. There's a statute that says you only get 10 NTI days. The governor during a state of emergency was able, is able to suspend the law. He used to be able to do it indefinitely. Now he can only do it for, um, 
I believe, 30 days, and then he has to call a special session. I believe it also has to be approved by the attorney general. Any laws he wants to suspend, the attorney general has to approve suspending them as well. So he had suspended these NTI day rules. And so during the emergency session uh, during last fall, the special session, the General Assembly voted to give schools an additional 10 NTI days. So they now had 20 NTI days. Well, Senate Bill 25, as it left the Senate, pretty much just extended NTI days by 10. So it brought us up to uh, 30 NTI days. Guys, that's a full month and a half out of school. Now, already, I believe you only have to, uh, what is it, be in school 150 days? So this is 20% of school days could have been NTI. Now, I, for one, started homeschooling this year because I knew this would happen. I knew that we couldn't trust our General Assembly to keep our kids in school. I knew I couldn't trust um, them to take a stand up for our school kids as far as any kind of masking or things like that goes. We're going to go into that here in a second with this bill too, as well. I knew I couldn't do those things. I knew I couldn't, uh, trust the curriculum my child's being taught. So I decided to homeschool my kid this year. And that's the exact reason why is because this general assembly just added another 10 NTI days. Now, when it passed the Senate originally, and this is where it gets kind of interesting, So when it passed the Senate, originally it passed with 31 yes votes, two nays, and five not voting. Now, um, on the subject of not voting, too, as you guys know, I'm running for the 12th district. The incumbent had decided uh, she didn't want to run again, and that was Alice Forgey Kerr. I don't think she's shown up to session one time. I have seen, I I have yet to see a voting record for her. If you're going to quit and just not show up at all to vote, and, and, and you're going to sit there and deprive the entire 12th Senate district of representation in the Senate, just quit and trigger a special election. Why continue on holding the seat with nobody showing up? You're not showing up to vote at all. It makes zero sense to me to have a senator that continuously doesn't show up. But anyways, leaving that to the side. So you had 31 yays, two nays, no one, uh, and a couple of not votes, right? Well, then it moves forward to the house. Now, for those of you that are unaware of how the, the rules work, um, they, they have what's called a, a committee. So the bill goes to a committee and this is how it repeats. So a bill gets proposed, goes to committee on committees, gets assigned to a committee. That committee then votes on it and they can put forward something called a committee sub. So they change the law. They can add things into the law. That becomes a committee sub that can propose amendments there. It then goes to the House floor. Amendments can be proposed there and voted on. And then if something gets passed, like it got passed in the Senate, it then goes to the House and it repeats the process that it did in the Senate. And it's pretty much the same process in both. But I believe in the Senate, bills have to be assigned to a committee while in the House they do not. So that being stated. So this bill gets sent over to a committee in the House. And the committee in the House then attaches some things onto it. Outside of just the 10 NTI days, that committee decides it is uber important to also extend the governor's emergency until April 14th, 2022, extend the uh, the emergency for, for the thing, for the disease there, till uh, uh, April 14th, 2022, ensuring, ensuring that we will have been in a state of emergency due to uh, uh, this pandemic for two 
years now. At some point, it's not an emergency, okay? They also extended some of his emergency declarations. Now, not a whole lot of them. Most of them pretty mundane. One thing I don't understand, though, is if you've been extending out, they, they keep extending out these same emergency clauses because they like them. Why not just make them a law, propose it, and pass it? Why do we keep having to extend an emergency declaration in order to make that happen? So that's not a good excuse to keep the emergency going, to suspend some of these laws that need to be suspended because of the, the pandemic. Because at this point, there is no, there, there isn't, we are not on reduced capacity anywhere but other than the uh, um, legislative galleries, of course. We're not, we are not, I'm sorry, we're, we're in a, what's called a managed health crisis maybe. But to call us an emergency after two years just proves you're a terrible planner. You don't have an emergency that lasts two years. By definition, it can't. It's a, just a thing that exists. But of course, we continue to keep it going as well because they want those federal dollars. If we're not in a state of emergency, we're not going to get the federal relief dollars that are getting handed out. But let us remember, as we get addicted to these dollars, which we are, we are becoming addicted to it. We cannot go without it. We don't know how to budget around it. When you see us doing things like using these emergency dollars to do things like hire people for departments, that tells you we're not planning on getting off of them because if we did, we can't afford those people we've added on and hired. But yet those are the types of things we're doing. We need to recognize what this money is and we need to get off of it. And, and I've said, I said this last time they voted to extend this during the special session in the fall. I said, we need a plan to get off these dollars. And if we're not, we're going to have troubles because here's the thing. Joe Biden right now in Arizona is threatening their federal COVID dollars. So we're we're voting to keep it going. We're voting to, to keep pulling in these dollars while Arizona is being threatened by Joe Biden. I'll tell you what happened. Out in Arizona, the General Assembly there had passed some laws to uh, some, some uh, quote-unquote anti-masking laws. That's how the Biden administration declared them. Basically laws that said, you know, uh, government facilities can't mandate it, or maybe locales can't mandate it. Same things like we've seen out Tennessee. So what did Joe Biden do? Joe Biden said, well, we are threatening Arizona that if they keep undercutting these pandemic needed things, we're going to claw back their COVID relief dollars. What happens when that gets attached to putting in place a mandate? If he's saying we're going to claw back these dollars because therefore uh, 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 pandemic relief, and if you're not taking steps to relieve the pandemic, then you don't get them. What happens when they sit there and they say, well, listen, you're not going to get your federal dollars if you don't mandate in your state. Because remember, as just happened in the Supreme Court, Biden cannot mandate within his administration. It has to go through an act of Congress. Or states, local, the state governments can mandate it, right? According to constitution. Now, I'm not. I don't think it's. I personally think that's unconstitutional. But according to the current court doctrine, the states can mandate it. So what happens when he comes along and says, you know what? Just like we do with everything else, just like we do with speed limits, drinking age, just like we do with a lot of things, I'm going to attach strings to these federal dollars that require you to mandate this treatment to your entire population or we're taking back the hundreds of millions of dollars you've been given. Kentucky's not in a position to give that money back. Our legislators have seen to it. They've continued on and on with these, this emergency declaration, digging a hole deeper and deeper and getting us more and more uh, uh, indebted to the federal government and having to do what they tell us to.
to destroy any type of, of republic that we maybe would have had. And they continue to do this, and they continue to extend out this emergency. And so they vote to extend out this emergency. They add that into the uh, Senate Bill 25. They also add in some other things, further putting us under the thumb of Biden's administration, as, like I said, we're seeing in Arizona. But what's interesting is, is when this came back for voting, you had a lot of fall-off. So remember that Senate, the first time they voted, it was voted um, 31 to 2. That bill gets changed up and the Senate goes forward to the House. 84 yeas, 9 nays. Six didn't vote. You're nine nays against it. Now that it's extending it out. People, we, I, I could have told you these, most of these people would vote against it. Baker, Decker, Hart, Maddox, Lockett, Rayborn, Fisher, Callaway, Santoro. They voted against it. They voted against it. Uh, some of them voted against it because they didn't want the 10 NTI days. They wanted kids to remain in school. That was a reason to vote against it already. But then when you tack on extending out the emergency and everything else, some people started falling off. They saw what happened. It goes to the Senate. Now, these people voted against it in the Senate. Now, I know some of them voted against it because they extended out the emergency. Some of them voted against it because they wanted to have a separate debate, a separate bill on extending the emergency and uh, putting forward what emergency clauses would continue. And so that goes to the Senate, and it only passes with 17 yes votes, 8 nays, and 13 people abstained from voting on it. 13 people abstained from voting on it. Which is strange and odd, because one, one of the senators who voted against it the first time around, which was Schickel, and funny enough, McDaniel voted against it because he won probably more NTI days. But Schickel just didn't vote that time. That's interesting to me. Eight nays. Now, now some of them wanted a separate vote. Some of them didn't want to extend the emergency. People like Senator Southworth probably didn't want to extend the emergency. People like Alvarado, Nemus, Schroeder, they, they most likely wanted to have a, uh, a greater debate about what emergencies they wanted to continue. But so Senate Bill 25 passed in law, continuing to put us under the thumb of the Biden administration. Like I said, I brought up Arizona. Go research that. It's crazy what's going on there. Keeping your kids out of school for a full month and a half now. That's 30 days NTI days. Remember, there's only 20-ish school days in a month. So that's a month and a half of not going to school your kid can this year. And... Uh, yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not looking good. It's looking even worse when we go ahead and we look forward to uh, what's on the docket for tomorrow. So here's what's on the docket to be voted on tomorrow. In the House, we got HB 256. It's not a necessarily a great or bad bill. It's just a bill. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. It's pretty short. It's a one-pager. It basically enhances the punishment for un unauthorized practice of law. Now, I could take some guesses at who that's aimed at. It's not me, clearly. I don't do that. But I could take some guesses of who that is aimed at. But more importantly, um, pushing that forward, I don't 
have any particular emotions on it, but just something for you to be aware of that they're voting on. Oh, as I get into this too, please hit that share button again for me and share it in a couple of places because there's something very important coming up. It's going to be the last bill I talked about to be voted on on Tuesday out of the House. Um, I'm going to talk about that here uh, next couple of bills. So take a second, hit the share button or tell some people to come listen if you're listening elsewhere because we need to get active on this tomorrow, today. We need to start contacting our legislators over one of these bills because it has, in my opinion, it can't pass. I, I do not want it to pass. Um, other thing we got here is House Bill 44. Um, pretty basic bill basically allows for some excused absences in certain situations. Uh, that would be such as, you know, parents go away on military leave, you get a day that they leave excused, a day they come back excused, and up to 10 days whenever the, the soldier gets an R&R, so they're allowed to come back and, and, and see their family if they're away or something, or maybe you can meet up somewhere, you get 10 days excused absences. Also allows some excused absences for 4-H, things like that. Uh, eight, House Bill 194 is to be voted on, allows GED in more uh, situations. That's not awful. Now we've got House Bill 126. Guys, this is the one we need to be calling on. I'm going to make a post on all my socials about calling on it. I'm going to uh, bring it up. It needs to fail. House Bill 126 requires the filling out as of FAFSA applications in order to graduate high school. Now, I don't know if you guys know what FAFSA is. Um, basically, it is dollars that come from the government uh, to pay for college. It's dollars that come in from the government to pay for college. And this application, when you fill it out, what you do is, is you put down your parents' income. So in order for your child to graduate from high school, they have to fill out a document that says how much their parents make. That's now, with this bill passes, that's now a graduation requirement. And that's a bad thing for so many reasons. One, Frankly, the less we have to report to the government how much we're making, the better. They don't need to be involved in our lives. Two, two, this is also awful because, well, I'll go into that. Two, you know, I, I also, I kind of disagree with, with, FAFSA for the reason I think it should be evenly handed out to begin with. I don't think it should have to deal with your parents' income because after all, it's you're an adult now. You're going to college. You need to pay for your college yourself, right? Um, I don't see why that would fall into the parents' realm of what they need to worry about. But House Bill 126 requires the filling out of FAFSA applications in order to graduate. This is coming up for a vote on Tuesday. It's listed on the House orders for Tuesday to be brought to the floor for a vote. What does this also do? It also is pumping more kids into the college system. Not only one, do they not have the, does that drive them into debt? Because follow me here, okay? You fill out that, you maybe you weren't going to go to college, and then you find out, well, you're going to get a free Three grand if you go to college. You're a kid. You don't know how to make decisions. <laughs> and you go, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. Um, I wasn't going to go to college. I'm going to go to college. So I'm going to fill this out. And then I'm going to go to college and, 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 and go into debt and then fail out and now have all this additional debt. Also as well, 
This is in it sends a message to kids that all the you know we hear these liberal talking points of free college you got to go to college oh if we don't offer people free college they'll never get out and everything else this pushing of college on individuals not everybody's right for college some people would work better in a trade some people would work better uh, perhaps they go right into owning a, a business or things like that you know whatever their choice may be in life to do is their choice to make. And us pushing this college on people who don't want to go, don't need to go, incurs unnecessary debt. I mean, I'll give you an example. You know, there's individuals like um, um, realtor. There's tons of realtors I know. And you can be a realtor without a college degree. And I'm not saying your college degree was useless if you're a realtor. So don't misunderstand. But you figure out, I want to be a realtor. That's what I want to do. I make a lot of money at it and I enjoy it. Well, it doesn't require a college degree. So a lot of people have college degrees that are realtors and that's all they've ever done. And it's kind of was an expense and time waste to a degree. Let's, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but when you really look at it, you didn't need it to go into your expected field. And those four years, you could have started going. You know, and on top of that too, I mean, look, you go and you get this, these federal dollars that convinces you to go to college and you get a degree in something awful. Something terrible, something you, sh you, you don't need to get a degree in. And yet we're pushing them towards that when we're making them fill this out. Basically, we're making them fill out an application to go to college in order to graduate high school. I, don't, I think that's wrong. I think it's pushing kids into unnecessary debts. I think it's wrong to make parents through their kids. Their kids can't graduate high school unless they disclose all their financial information. That's wrong. Now, who's pushing this, right? I had a conversation with somebody about this. Who is pushing this? First, you have the universities pushing it. One, it increases the amount of people coming to school. But two, much like a gym memberships uh, uh, make money off of charging you, you know, $10, $15, $30 a month, and then you don't like cancel it, and then you don't ever show up. So they make a bunch of money off people who done paid money, but they never have to provide services too. I guarantee you this will increase our first semester, first year dropouts. And it'll lead to these universities pulling in more money without having to provide teachers or anything like that because these people will drop out after the first month or so and the universities will get to keep that money. I believe there's some well-intentioned people pushing this as well. People who see kids going to school, they don't know about FAFSA and they see them burning up their money. And I'm sure there's some well-intentioned people pushing it. That doesn't need to be a requirement to go to college now, is to, or sorry, to, to graduate high school, is to fill that out. That's where teachers and schools just need to do a better job of letting people know that want to go to college. Hey, this is, this is what we have. And of course, I think some well-intentioned but misguided people believe that kids going to college is an important special thing. So there's probably a lot of these individuals who are pushing this bill out of places like Louisville and things like that. They're pushing it because they believe that their, their kids um, that are graduating high school, if they went to college, they'd be better off, which may be true for some of them. And because of that, if we make them fill this out and they see how many free federal dollars they get, maybe they'll decide to do it. But once again, it's going to push kids into unnecessary debt. It's a it's a overstep. It's a government overreach into your lives and on your privacy. And frankly, it's it's kind of ridiculous that I would have to disclose my income in order to 
allow my son to graduate high school. That's crazy. And so that's House Bill 126. That requires the FAFSA applications to be filled out. It's going to the floor to be voted on on Tuesday. So please call your legislators, email your legislators. I don't know if LRC is open today, but email your legislators, call them tomorrow and say, look, do not pass House Bill 126. Vote no on House Bill 126. Switching over to what's filed in the Senate. We got SB 11. This is on the orders to be voted on on Tuesday. Okay. Uh, SB 11, um, you know, it's, it's, it deals with long-term care facilities. And it look, a lot of these bills being voted on on Tuesday are medical bills. Uh, some of it's a little bit of a niche market. So you have to probably work in that industry to completely understand all these bills all the time that get passed. Because you have to understand what the current law is. You have to understand how it changes it. But SB 11 deals with long-term care facilities. And it deals with telling them what to do. Now, what the reason why I bring that up is when we go into who's the sponsor on this bill. So when we look at Senate Bill, um, when we look at Senate Bill uh, Eleven, okay, Senate Bill Eleven, and Matt, well, look at that. It's it's uh, Senator Ralph Alvarado, Doctor Alvarado. He's a doctor, okay. And I don't know if Embry's a doctor, but also uh, we've got Senator Embry, uh, Republican there. Um, he is, let's see here. Uh, he's from Eastern, I'm sorry, Western Kentucky area. As far as that goes, I didn't know that. I'm just trying to see if he's a doctor or something. I'm not seeing that he's a doctor. He might be though. So don't whatever. But anyways, we got Embry and Alvarado, the ones that are voting to put forward a bill. This bill, they're the sponsors on it. This bill tells private long-term care facilities what to do. Why is this noteworthy? Well, Senator Alvarado's awfully known for his stance against House Bill 28, formerly BR 106, a bill to end the mandates and passports for, you know, the treatment stuff here in Kentucky. He's against it. Now, when you ask him his stated reason why he's against it, he says because, well, we don't want to be in the business of telling private companies what to do. Yet here he is sponsoring Senate Bill 11 that does what? Tells private companies what to do. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look up in the dictionary and I look at hypocrisy, that's pretty much the textbook definition of it. So I would encourage legislators that are sitting there and deciding to stand on a mountain claiming, I'm not going to vote for House Bill 28. I don't want it to pass because it's telling private businesses what to do and it's wrong and I'm against it. To be very, very careful about what you propose and what you vote for moving forward. Because you can't even make it a few days into session without being exposed for being the hypocrites you are. Because it has nothing to do with your belief 
on whether or not government should be telling people what to do. It's got 100% to be on the belief that you are in favor of mandating this and you don't want to say it out loud because you got an R next to your name and you know you'll get run out of office if you come out and say you're in favor of mandating it, but actually you are. And also you're bought and paid for by the, I'm sorry, that's HB 28 is the bill for, for vaccine mandates, the person asking. Anyways, you're bought and paid for like you are. It's because the, the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce doesn't want it to pass because they're far-left liberals. And, of course, the giant corporations, like the financial incentives they're getting from the federal government to put in place mandates, and they don't want it to be stopped. That's the real reason why. The real reason why is because you're listening to corporate interests and you're listening to special interests Instead of listening to the people you're supposed to represent that want these mandates to end. So don't give us this BS line. You suddenly found some conservative principle on one bill, House Bill 28, that stops mandating in, in, in the workplace and, and passports for the, for the treatment. You know, Don't tell us you suddenly found principles there when you're over here proposing bills that tell private companies what to do. You're lying. We know you're lying. You're a liar. We've known you've been lying this entire time. Find a new line that works better, that isn't so easy to expose. Sorry. Also on the docket, and that House Senate Bill 11 deals with long-term care facilities. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't have any opinions on it because I don't know anything about long-term care facilities. If you work in a long-term care facility, I suggest you go on and you read Senate Bill 11. It's to be voted on tomorrow. So that way you're you're aware of it. Senate Bill 55 sets up uh, stroke centers, deals with stroke centers. Um, Senate Bill 56 deals with an open. Oh, this one's interesting. Opio, op, my goodness gracious, Andrew. Opioid, thank you, advisory committee group. Okay. So it sets up this new committee whose job it is, is to help with um, getting, dealing with, uh, mitigating the addiction issues that are running so rampant here in Kentucky. Not necessarily a bad thing. And it deals with awarding out monies to those programs. Okay. That gets a little, uh, interesting when we start setting up individual committees that can hand out dollars like that. I don't know how I feel about that. And it gets a little bit worse when I start looking at who makes this up. You got the attorney general, secretary, uh, I'm sorry, the state treasurer, the um, director for the Cabinet for Health and Human Services, some person that the University of Kentucky deems as worthy of being on the group. I don't know. Uh, and then you get essentially five other people that the attorney general gets to select. And you only need five to make a quorum. That means the attorney general and their five appointees run this advisory committee. That means that the attorney general completely runs this advisory committee because if I have the power to appoint you, to fire you, you're going to vote the way I want you to, right? Of course you are. That's how it goes. And so the, the problem I have, though this is great in practice, the problem I have with how this is being set up, is this ripe for corruption and for handing out dollars 
to the friends and to 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 maybe the friends of AG or things like that. To you know, it, it definitely brings like for example, if I work, if I have a string of addiction recovery clinics. I might suddenly start investing an awful lot of money into that AG's race because I can get uh, uh, monetary funds awarded back out to me. That that certainly becomes an issue. So anytime I see a committee like this that is dominated by one individual getting to appoint everybody, I think that shows it is ripe for corruption and it is ripe for a, a miss, especially when they get to hand out funds. I think it's uh, it's directly into it. So that's what I have for you guys today. A few reminders there. One, obviously, share this out, let people know. So unfortunately, Senate Bill 25 already passed, continues the emergency, puts us more in the thumb of Biden, increases NTI days by 10, bring us to a total of 30. Our big call to action is House Bill 126. Honestly, I think we can stop this one if we make enough phone calls because I don't think a lot of legislators have thoughts about it per se. I mean, I don't think anybody feels too strongly about this. So we need to be pushing House Bill 126. We got to be stopping that. And and you guys got to be calling about that. House Bill 126, we need to put a stop to it. Thank you guys for joining me. And I hope to catch you next time.